Yeah, the Lord's really transformed my life. I got a testimony of incredible deliverance, and, and it's just not by accident that I have this appreciation for Christ. Without him, I wouldn't be walking this earth. Um, he radically delivered me from a life of hopelessness and pain. I was locked in darkness. Um, choices I made, um, things I allowed myself to be involved with, uh, addiction and rage, a number of foul demonic things in my life kept me chained up and, uh, and I figured I had no use for God. My mother tried, she pleaded with me like an old Johnny Cash song um, to turn to Jesus and I, uh, I just believed every lie the devil ever told me. Christian men were wimps, Christian men were fake, Christian men were hypocrites. The devil loves to highlight Christians in your life that have failed or made mistakes and and he likes to point them out in a big way, says that he can say they're all that way. And I bought his lies. He's a malicious liar. He's the father of lies. Um, and I, uh, I wished I hadn't been so foolish. But when I got to be 21 years old, um, between a rock and a hard place, I picked up a Bible at a house party. And it was, uh, it was a demonic scene. I won't go into detail or I'll be here till noon. But uh, I spent about three weeks reading the Word of God while living out in the world, hell on earth. And uh, at the end of that three weeks, the word of God had washed my mind and cleansed my thinking um, enough that I could see there was hope for me in Christ. If this Jesus uh, in the word of God was who the word of God said he was, um, that there was hope for me, even one of the foulest of sinners. And uh, I reached out to the Lord in 2001, maybe just before, yeah, like uh, probably... It was freezing cold, 40 below, so probably December of 2000. And I turned 21 in prison, not doing life. And I got parole. But uh, I, uh, I, I looked to the Lord and I said, Jesus, if you're real like this Bible says, I dare you to show up in my life. And if you can deliver me from this hell on earth and these many, many, many conditions I needed delivering from, um, totally demonized and lost in sin, um, then I'll serve you. And if you can't, well, then I'm out. Um, and I woke up the next day and I walked free and clear of all those things. Lord knows I wasn't totally sanctified. And, uh, and, and I was not, uh, I was not uh, churchified to the max at that point. I was still foul. I was like a dirty old jackfish. Uh, he caught me slimy and full of bones and then day by day the word of God and the spirit of God sanctified my person um, to the point where I became a useful a vessel that the Lord could use for his glory and I'm here today so uh, I want to uh, that's my introduction that's my testimony um, I tried to keep it as brief as I could and I have just uh, I don't follow notes real good so I have a few scriptures here that I might need to refer to and I got four things I got to do. Um, John Bound said I could make everyone aware of man camp. I failed certain people last year and the year before. I didn't properly make people aware of when man camp was. Um, so I'm going to do that right now. Uh, man camp will take place again June 7th, 8th, and 9th. June 7th, uh, we'll meet at Moose Lake Pentecostal Camp. Uh, the Lord made a way for us to rent the camp beside it too because we needed more room. We needed we got to make room for about 500 guys this year. And uh, 
So at noon on Friday, June 7th, we're going to meet at Moose Lake Pentecostal Camp. Everybody's going to register. Uh, we got an army of volunteers this year. The first year we had almost none. And uh, we'll get stowed away in your dorms and campsites and tenting areas and motorhome areas and all that and uh, make you familiar with the facility. And then uh, we're going we're gonna to eat barbecue until you can't eat more barbecue. We're going to have uh, man church, 7 o'clock Friday night. Um, that could go late because this year the Lord's made a way to have Jake Hamilton and Fresh I.E. come. And so uh, Jake Hamilton's touring the world. He's, he got this fire burning in him to reach men for Christ. Like, who does that, right? And, uh, and he is committed to come and to, uh, to preach um, and to uh, kind of head up the praise for most of man camp. Uh, the guy is a spirit-filled rock star, and I love his music. Um, but he's also an anointed preacher, and he is led by the Holy Ghost. So this is, this is key. Um, Fresh IE is a buddy of mine. John Bounds inter inter introduced me to him, and he's agreed to come and to perform. So these late in the evening services could go a little long, um, but that's cool. We got all kinds of coffee and all kinds of firewood. Um, we're going to keep it blazing into the night. Saturday, um, the, the only thing the Lord's put on my heart to change with Man Camp is that it was a little too busy on the Saturday. There was a lot of different activities. This year, it's just going to be the 12-man challenge. Uh, teams that we pick, can't have no stacked teams, um, but I want Lane on my team, Lane's on my team. 12-man um, challenge, uh, the 12-man teams compete in the axe throwing, the knife throwing, uh, which they'll be allowed to practice the day before, uh, the spike drive contest. Uh, this year, the canoe relay race was intense last year. Each team had one boat. This year, each team has two boats, six guys in boats, six guys on the shore running three-man water balloon launchers, hammering uh, biodegradable water balloons at the opponent's boats. <laughs> Once they get out past 75 yards, and then there'll be a flat boat with trash pumps and water fire hoses and stuff. It's going to be intense. We finish her all off with the tug of war to prove which team deserves the rings, and uh, it's going to be awesome. We eat more barbecue, we have more spirit-filled, anointed Word of God preached, and uh, like this is going to be a rock star um, <laughs> musical performance. And a friend of mine, Chris Lindbergh, is probably going to bring a 100 by 80 foot tent, like a carnival type tent, to, to extend the tabernacle that only holds 350 people, but we're going to make a way. June 7th, 8th, and 9th, um, be sure to register when you get a chance, um, we'd like to know as many, you know, ahead of time as much as we can on who's going to be there and how many to kind of help us prepare. But June 7th, 8th, and 9th, it's going to happen. This is the Iron Sharpens Iron Man Camp. And Nick's going to make a, must 400 shirts to start and 40 hoodies. Uh, they've been in a, a led by God man that's donated enough money that everybody gets a t-shirt that comes to man camp. It's going to be awesome. So that's man camp, and uh, it was cool. Um, they, they wanted to do the, you know, like the structured religious world needs to have some kind of idea what you're going to do in their facilities so that some strange cult doesn't roll in and have snake charmers and all that. And so they asked me, they said, so what is your actual um, statement? What are, you, what are you hoping to do? Like, what do, you, what do you call what God's called you to do? And uh, I, I sometimes come up with the best things when I don't overthink it. I say, we are called to awaken and remind men to who they are in Christ, 
so that they can be the husbands, the fathers, the men of God in their community that he created them to be. And we want them to be, you know, standing strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not walking around in their flesh trying to do it legalistically and religiously, but, you know, putting on the full armor of God and waging actual war in their families and their communities against the uh, rulers, the forces, the spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness in heavenly places. So that's our motto. This is what we're after. This past while, uh, I'll bring you a little bit of a testimony from the front. We've been uh, sharing Christ with me and the Holy Spirit, I mean, when I say we. Uh, with dozens of men over the last couple of months in the field and uh, so, so many guys embracing Christ. Um, not all of them um, surrendering their lives to him. Unfortunately, many of them, uh, I introduced them to Christ. I, uh, I no longer just you know, pray with them and hope that they just take root and launch off into their walk with God. I try to disciple them a little bit. I try to, to give them the, uh, the whole truth. And in praying for this, um, I was reminded of, of where my gospel doctrine came from. And it's Acts 26, 18. Um, Paul, uh, Agrippa is, um, is questioning Paul and Paul's explaining what happened to him and, and why he does what he does. And Paul says, um, when the Lord knocked him off his donkey and appeared in the form of an incredibly bright light, um, the Lord said, get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Now, believing on Jesus is absolutely key to acquiring salvation. Jesus is the only way He's the only way to the Father. And uh, by believing on him, you're saved by grace when you put your faith in Christ. Um, the foundational scriptures that we believe um, in regards to salvation, John 11. Um, I'm going to turn to that real quick just so as I don't misquote it in any way. All right, it's, it's not hard to, to get saved. Uh, you simply believe in Jesus Christ that he was and the word says here um, I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me I like how he says lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this and we know that Romans 10 Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 especially the word of faithers know that this is this is essentially how you embrace Christ. Uh, Romans 10 verse 9 says, uh, We believe that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, I've heard Pastor John preach many times about the era that this scripture was written in, the times of Josephus in the, in the Roman world and, and when the uh, disciples um, walked the earth starting the original body of Christ church. And uh, if, if they were to confess with their mouth Jesus as Lord, 
um, they, they were required to literally turn from idols, to turn from traditional um, Judaism um, where they believed that uh, they could atone for sin with sacrifice and all these different um, you know, Mosaic laws. And they were required to truly make Jesus Lord. This believing in Christ, um, it involved a repenting of your former life to follow Jesus. And I feel it's still absolutely essential uh, in order to, to have that walk with the Lord that, that we all need to overcome in this world, especially nowadays. Uh, I believe there's more distraction and the enemy has more access to us than ever before through the technology and the, uh, and the media and all the different uh, entertainment faucets. So I, uh, I, I, I said, Lord, you know, I'm introducing all these men to Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm praying with them and they're reaching out to you for salvation. Why are so, so many of them falling by the wayside? Uh, why, why is it that so many times um, these brothers that many times initially receive the gospel, the good news about Christ, who he was, what he did, and what he lived and died and rose again to give them. Why so many times uh, do they fall away and, and walk away from the Lord? And uh, he began to show me in the word um, that, you know, salvation is relatively simple. You believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Um, you put your hope, faith, and trust in him instead of yourself in the world, and you follow Christ. And so um, he started to remind me, and does more so every day uh, when I'm discipling, encouraging, and helping to uh, kind of uh, lead a lot of these men that the Lord's brought into my life in their walk with God as they develop and they overcome by faith in him. And uh, I believe that when they confess with their mouths Jesus as Lord, they've got to... Um, follow him to the best of their ability they've got to uh they've got to do just like he says in uh in luke 6 i better turn there too so i don't misquote it um, but in luke 6 jesus uh in the early parts of luke 6 explains um how to live a kingdom life how to operate like him in this world and how to activate uh, the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit in the many situations that we all face. And, uh, and then he goes on, and I love the, the parable of the, the house built on the, on the foundation of Christ and the house built on the sand. But he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? So many times um, I encounter uh, even, even believers, Christians who have been Christians longer than myself, and uh, and the Lord opens the door in conversation to talk to them. And, uh, and I say, well, can I, can I introduce you to the Lord Jesus, the same one that set me free and turned my life around? And they say, oh, we've, I've known Jesus since I was four and a half years old. And I said, oh, I couldn't tell. And they, and they a lot of times take offense. And uh, because many, many, many of these fellows are so, so lost in sin and addiction, um, you know, sexual immorality in every area of their life, drugs and alcohol and, and unforgiveness just boiling off of them. And uh, you would never know that they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, oh, my man, um, I, in the beginning when I first met Christ, um, 
you know, he, he transformed my life and I was hungering and thirst for righteousness and, and he was satisfying me and delivering me and then I got comfortable and I, I took the reins back in my own life and uh, I, I decided I was going to be Lord of my life instead of him and that anointing and that presence of God and that deliverance, uh, it began to dwindle and the next thing you know, I was back trying to do it in my own strength. I said, you got to do what the Lord showed me in the beginning. you got to let the word of God and the spirit of God sanctify your life. I said, I, I got no doubt that you met Jesus. I mean, uh, you just confessed to me that you knew him and that you loved him. Uh, but the, the evidence of him in your life is pretty skimpy. And uh, I said, I think this is what's going to bless your life. And since I started to do this... Um, a much, 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 I'm trying to go back to everybody I first introduced to Christ and, and trying to water some of that seed because I, I'm encountering them and, and, and they're a lot of times worse off than when I met them. But I said, this, the word of God is what sanctifies your thinking. Ephesians 5, um, I think it's 25, it says that um, he's instructing husbands on how to how to treat their wives in a Christ-like fashion. And he says, just like Christ, you know, laid his life down for us, and by the washing of the water of the word, he cleanses and he sanctifies. He says it here, husbands, love your wives in, in Ephesians 5, verse 25. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we're talking about husbands loving their wives and then he uses the example of Christ in the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so how, how Christ laid himself down for us, you know, bled, died, paid the price for our sins so that we could be justified and reconciled to God um, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. And over the years now as the Lord's kind of discipling me and teaching me and taking me deeper in my walk with him, I've compiled verses. They're all through the New Testament where the word of God, it sanctifies you and it cleanses you. Um, we're, we're justified by the blood of Jesus. When we believe on Christ and we, we put our faith in him and follow Jesus, uh, we're justified by his blood. We're reconciled to God through Christ, but we're sanctified by the spirit of God and the word. And so uh, it, it comes to mind now, the Holy Spirit, you see, this is why I don't have notes. The Holy Spirit just starts to lead me in different directions, and I don't follow him. Yesterday, I encountered a guy. I was, I was bringing a realtor to a, a friend of mine's house who passed away. I'm, I'm helping, him, helping his mother get the house on the market. And his neighbor came over, and his neighbor said, hey, how are you? I, I heard we're just the same. And I thought, just the same, eh? Well, what did you say you do? And he says, oh, no, I mean, we're both, we're both Christians. And um, the fact that he was smoking weed and cussing every five seconds was, um, you know, very evident that we weren't just the same. But, uh, but he says, yeah, I heard that, you're, uh, that you, you love Jesus and you're a Christian. And, and I began to talk to him, and uh, his life was just destroyed, um, He'd been getting hit by demonic heavy artillery in every area of his life, his marriage and his second marriage and all of his kids in the world and his new wife's trauma and, and uh, how she hated God and this and that and couldn't believe and she'd been hurt by Christians in the church. And, 
after five seconds, I realized we had almost nothing in common except for he believed in Jesus. And uh, I said, well, that's terrible, brother. Um, it sounds like the enemy's just wreaking havoc in your life. I said, what, what's God doing? Uh, what's God showing you in the word lately? Because he'd been really stirring me up in the word. He said, oh, I don't believe that garbage. And I thought, he can't be talking about the Bible, the Word of God. He said, oh, that's all been altered and man-made, and it's a scam. The devil uses that to make people religious. I said, okay, so there's one, one real evident thing that's tearing his life apart. I mean, Jesus is the Word, and the Word is, is, is predominantly what the Holy Spirit uses to lead us and guide us to be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It's what keeps us on that firm foundation uh, built on Christ. So when the storms of life come, uh, a guy that believes, yeah, that's cool. He gets, uh, he gets to live his life in the same storms and trials and tribulations uh, it, it come against him. But the guy that believes and builds a firm foundation on the word of God, now i got to go back to Luke 6. <laughs> Everyone who comes to me, he starts off, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He's a Pharisee, and all those that pretended to believe in him even said, oh, Lord, tell us this, oh, Lord, tell us that. Imagine how frustrating that would have been to Jesus who knew their hearts. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted, two different believers. One met Jesus. Yeah, he might, he might have acquired salvation. Uh, I'm not to judge whether he believed or not. Uh, but I'll tell you what, encountering the Jesus that I serve and live for, um, getting born again um, by the Spirit of God, uh, it, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that I'd met the Lord because it radically affected my life. Anybody that, that claims to be born again and, and, and claims to have met Jesus and be filled with his Holy Spirit but can't recall being changed by him in any way, um, I really question uh, whether or not it's the same Holy Spirit that just absolutely obliterated the world of darkness in my life. Uh, because the Spirit of God is not some little Mickey Mouse uh, Walmart attendant. Uh, this is the Spirit of God. How many places in the Word of God does it say that the, the Holy Spirit is actually Jesus? Uh, I got it written down here where I, where I, so I would remember it. Um, Acts 16, 7, Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 19, Galatians 4, verse 6 and 7, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 speak directly that this is the spirit of Jesus. So if you got no use for the word of God, which Jesus is the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and nothing was created without the word. And in, in verse 14, it says, then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. So no use for the word, no use for the spirit of God. Um, you're going to have some trouble serving the Lord in this life. As a spirit is the one that transformed every one of the disciples from cowering, pathetic believers into lions for Christ that rocked the world with the gospel. Now I'm going back to Luke. This spirit is absolutely essential in, 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 in not just believing that Jesus is and was and rose again and having him as Lord of your life. The spirit is uh, a key component in overcoming 
He doles out the gifts. Um, he is the one that literally enables you with power from on high. Luke 24. Right? Jesus himself tells his faithful disciples to stay in that upper room. He's about to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and he says that he then opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Jesus is the Spirit. He can do that. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high, trying to accomplish God's will for your life in the flesh by your own human means, legalistically and religiously, was never possible and will never be possible. It's this Holy Spirit that gets the job done. He does the heavy lifting. We just walk it out. Um, things um, that, like these brothers of mine that are embracing Christ, I explain to them they need this Holy Spirit. I ask them, guys that are stuck in addiction, you know, drugs and alcohol, guys that are, are hooked on porn, um, guys that are, are um, absolutely torn apart by anxiety and stress and the cares of this world are just eating them up. I said, test me in this. Don't test God, but test, test my theory in this. I said, you, you cry out to God like he says in Luke. You ask, you seek, you knock. You ask that good father for the Holy Spirit. And then you let that spirit, that still small voice, lead you and guide you. He doesn't drive you and holler at you. He nudges you and he leads you and he guides you as you look to him to, uh, to open your spiritual eyes and ears to who Jesus is, what the word of God says, how it applies to your life, and the promises of God that you need to stand on to overcome. And so many more of these guys are getting free and staying free. I got a few scriptures just in regards um, to the word of God, the word of God doing that uh, sanctifying work in our lives. I want to read a few of those. I got a few other scriptures. It's, it's the word of God. It's, it's the hearing of the word that builds faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, so I want, to, I want to put a little more word of God into it here. I'm going to go to John 15, 3. Sorry. Yeah. There we go. John 15, 3. I won't get into too much detail. It's, it's jam-packed full of incredible teachings that, that the Lord's given us. Um, all of them apply to your life in some way. Um, every single um, thing that you face in your life, this scripture led by the Spirit of God holds the, 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 um, the answer and, the, and the, the direction that you're looking for. It, it truly is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So in 15, John 15, verse 3, he says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. I read that the first time. It just kind of caught my mind, and I, I didn't understand it. But I've been paying attention and writing these and kind of building a cluster of these different scriptures that say this. Uh, John 17, verse 17. Um, once again, Jesus is teaching these guys how to live a kingdom life. And he says to them, 
You are, uh, he's asked, oh, John 17 is powerful, right? Where Jesus asked that we would know him like he knows him and that we would be in him like he's in God and uh, vice versa and that we would share in everything that he has been given and everything that he wants to give to us. And then he's asking the Father, he says, Lord, in 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. He, Jesus, uh, he tells his disciples too that when this helper, he says, uh, if, if you really loved me, if you really you know, understood, um, you, would, you wouldn't be sad that I'm leaving you and going to the Father because unless I go, uh, he won't send the helper this Holy Spirit that's omnipresent, uh, the only spirit in the world that can literally dwell in every believer all at once, orchestrating their individual lives and working behind the scenes. So supreme. Um, if anyone was to try to explain to me how Jesus and the devil are arm wrestling or that the Holy Spirit and any demon on this planet have anything in common um, other than they both operate in the, the unseen spirit realm, I would have to tell them to give their head a shake because uh, the Spirit of God trumps all of them by galaxies. But he says when this helper, this, this Spirit of truth comes, he's going to teach you in all things. He's going to instruct you and guide you and, and, and mold you into who the Lord desires you to be, who he created you to be. But he says this also, he's going to witness about me. He gonna, he's going to tell you things about me, and he's going to witness to who I am and he's going to make you into a witness. And this is what's happened. Uh, people like Selena and, and myself, like without Christ, uh, many, many others as well. Um, <laughs> Tony's nodding his head. Many of us, without Christ, um, we just don't know whether or not we'd be here today. Uh, we, had, we had a pretty rough go in the world in our own strength. And uh, the word says that them who have been forgiven much, love much, um, we own big. And so we got a real deep, heavy appreciation for him. But... Um, I, I spoke at a men's group the other day, and many of these guys, uh, they hadn't heard any teaching in regards to the Holy Spirit whatsoever. There's, there's a lot of um, pastors and teachers that will hardly touch on it, but it turns out it's the ticket to winning and losing. Um, I'm explaining to these guys how they all need to just cry out to God and ask God for more of the Holy Spirit just to fill them to overflowing, right? Um, that reminds me, like, in Acts 9... Um, I know that Philip, I mean, this guy was an evangelist. Uh, I, I hope someday to uh, be half the evangelist that Philip was, or Stephen, man, Stephen, he's one of my heroes in the faith. But um, Philip goes down to Samaria, and he's sharing Jesus with the whole world down there, and thousands, of, well, maybe thousands, many, many, it says, were turning to Christ and, uh, and following Jesus. Um, well, then John, uh, Peter and John find this out, and they travel down there because Philip, he'd been, he'd been leading all these people to Jesus and, and they've been believing and turning from their old legalistic mosaic Judaism and, and they're, they're following Christ. But uh, as Peter and John get talking to these guys, uh, not one of them had really embraced the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen or literally filled any of them to overflowing. There was none of them speaking in tongues. Uh, there was none of them being transformed with this power from on high. Um, like, uh, like I read in, in Luke, it says, right, stay until you're clothed with power from on high. Even in Acts, 
Um, oh, Lord, where is that now? Oh, yeah, when, when, these, when these believers, yeah, right here. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the crux what the Father has fixed by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remote parts of the earth. When the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing, um, you, you got enough for yourself, and you can't help but give it away. Actually, when the Holy Spirit gives you revelation and sanctifies your thinking and you realize that Jesus is the cure for spiritual cancer that the world's looking for and Jesus is the answer to everything that's tearing humanity apart, um, you can't help to get, but give it to him. When I looked at that men's group and I said, boys, how many of you guys is born again? How many, how many of you people has Jesus just radically changed and delivered. Oh, they're, all their hands went up. There, well, most of them, two of them weren't, but they are now. Um, they, uh, they're like, oh, me, me, me. I said, and how many of you guys share Jesus with your neighbor, with your coworker, with your whole family that's going to hell without Christ? And they just got quiet. Ain't nobody been sharing Jesus with nobody? I said, you got to have more of the Holy Spirit. No doubt the Holy Spirit's prompting you and and, and nudging you and at work in your life, but you got to go to go to the Father like in Luke, and you got to ask for more of them. You got to seek for more of them. You got to knock on that door, and He's a good Father. He's not going to give you a scorpion or a stone if you ask for bread. He's going to get. He's a good Father. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit when you ask for it. And when you get the Holy Spirit to the point where you're filled and overflowing and baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, and nobody's going to have to tell you, you're going to be able to give it away. You won't. It'll burn up inside you. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, look at that guy. He's broken. He's lost without me. Uh, he's struggling. He's in such pain. And, and these guys, just remember Christina, that praise? Um, and it's going to burn in you to share Christ with that person. You got the cure for spiritual cancer, and you better share it with the world. Anyway, I won't dig into that too much deeper. Um. I was in Acts, yes, and so Philip had, uh, had shared Christ with many, 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 and many were turning to Jesus, and Peter and John found out um, that he had, uh, but when questioning some of these believers, he found out that none of them had been filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Spirit of God. So they traveled down there, and they followed Philip from place to place, and, uh, and they laid hands on him, they were receiving Christ, and and even the worldly sorcerers were wanting the Holy Spirit because they could see the change that he was making in these people. And he could see the power of God at work in them. And so uh, I'll read right here in, in uh, Acts 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, uh, sorry, that is definitely not the place. Acts 8. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. So now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. So it was Peter and John. Praise the Lord, my memory's renewed. Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now this Simon who saw the Spirit was bestowed through the laying of uh, the hands of the apostles. He offered them money. See these sorcerers. They wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well. And Peter told them, tough luck, your heart is full of guile. 
and uh, your, your motives are all wrong. But anyways, this Holy Spirit and this baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Um, Acts 26, 18 is going to trigger where I wanted to go from there. Um, but he has also, just like Paul, and I, and I look up to Paul as being a man that was a real evangelist and, uh, and one of the fiercest Christian men to walk the face of the earth, wrote two-thirds of the Bible. Um, he said he was called to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness. He goes on in uh, that same chapter in verse 20, and he's explaining um, to Agrippa and uh, I think Festus um, that he, he did nothing um, that warranted death, of course, but he was just... Um, declaring both to those in Damascus first and also in Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea, even to the Gentiles, that they should repent, to turn from being Lord of their own lives, to turn from idol worship and the old uh, Judaism way of, of the law, uh, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate with repentance. Um, Paul, Paul gave us so many scriptures speaking of, uh, of, of repentance, the sanctification that only come by the word and the sanctification that only the Spirit of God could do. Now, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on, uh, I already touched on Ephesians 5, which is one of my go-to verses in regards to having our minds cleansed and sanctified by the washing of the water of the word. Now I'm going to go to a few scriptures um, in regards to um, the Spirit and how it sanctifies us. Turn with me to Romans 5. I love Romans. I direct most of these uh, new creations in Christ to Romans um, because Romans, the Roman road really holds so much revelation in regards to who we were before Christ and how um, it's, it's by the word of God that we're, we become aware of what sin is and our need for God. Um, but Romans 5, I know that Romans 5, uh, verse 8, is one of my go-tos. Sorry, Romans 8, 14, is one of my go-to verses um, explaining to, to men that the Lord's brought into my life I am definitely turning the wrong book. Um, and, and on how we could, uh, you know, never um, accomplish God's will for our life without the Spirit. But how we need that Spirit um, in order to be who He created us to be. He says, um, For those who are, in, in, in 8 verse 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, so it is never possible in the flesh. Um, and I myself saw that. And so I, I share with these guys simply what I know um, the Lord used in my life um, to get me free and to deliver me from my past and how uh, that if they'll just surrender to that Holy Spirit, first seek um, the Holy Spirit and then recognize the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit uses the word to uh, make us aware of our need for God first. 
Um, a person that doesn't realize they have an issue is definitely not going to do anything to, uh, to deal with it. And so, uh, so many times um, I'm, I'm, I'm fellowshipping with these guys. Uh, we're breaking down their life to see uh, where the enemy's getting in and wreaking havoc and causing mayhem in their marriages and in their families and in their businesses and, and in their health. And uh, for instance, I'll share a little testimony here. I'll share a few. Um, before Christ, uh, I was pretty narrow-minded and, and entirely fleshly, and I had absolutely no respect or uh, no grace or mercy for homosexual people. Uh, this past while, the Lord's brought a couple different homosexual people into my life, and he's opened my eyes uh, to the fact that homosexuality, uh, yes, it, it is, according to 1 Corinthians 6, uh, one tremendously sinful act that grieves the Holy Spirit because it's uh, the Holy Spirit's designed to dwell in us and that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But in that list in 1 Corinthians 6, um, homosexuality is only one of many deadly willful sins. And uh, this homosexual guy that the Lord brought into my life, uh, it, it amazes me time and time again as I deal with people that I would have never been able to relate with or, or converse with um, situations where I would have lost my marbles and went completely aggressive and just been totally enraged. I'm capable of keeping calm, gentleness, peacefulness, uh, meekness is showing up in my life more every day. Um, but this fella, um, he, he had been discipled by, I guess, um, pastors and Christians for years and years in, in different uh, denominations that have become quite woke and, and uh, compromised, leaving much of Scripture behind because it addressed willful sin and, and uh, I guess it made people uncomfortable. But um, he'd been convinced that homosexuality was something that he was to embrace because that's the way God had made him. Uh, they overlooked the fact that he was molested for years and years and years as a small child by a homosexual male, um, I guess groomed and uh, imprinted as a youth that he was now a full-fledged homosexual. And until actually reading the word of God for himself, um, these, these um, pamsy schmamsy um, so-called pastors and teachers that he had had convinced him that he was right as rain and that there was no need to address this sin in his life. Um, since reading the word of God for himself, he's come to a full understanding that this sin, along with murder, um, stealing, lying, cheating, gossiping, um, slander, and adultery, and adultery um, equally needs dealt with and that this is hurting his life. Um, now he looks back with eyes wide open. He sees that um, it has completely left him vulnerable to the enemy since the beginning. Um, the enemy's used it to tear his life apart mentally and emotionally, uh, psych medications and mental illness. Um, he is, was, was sorry, so broken. And uh, this past year, he's, he's, he's made the word of God part of every day. And he's gone to the Lord every day, um, asking the Lord um, to direct his path, acknowledging him in all his ways. And he's... He's recognizing that that still small voice that works with the word of God gives him revelation and understanding, clarity, and then starts to point out uh, not just uh, the, you know, his past with the, that sexual sin, but many other areas, right? Unforgiveness. Uh, he realized now 
Um, he, he, he had such resentment, such unforgiveness. Um, Christians that are just boiling over with unforgiveness, um, they're poisoning their, their spiritual lives. And uh, he had no idea. I mean, he, he began to recognize that unforgiveness and deal with that. Um, he began to forgive himself, and he's working through that. I guess that's, you know, things he's done and choices he's made. He struggles. I think a lot of people struggle with forgiving themselves. But um, it amazed me how, how uh, he was able to forgive those people that had hurt him and caused him so much pain. And uh, he was able to forgive himself. And now his biggest hurdle um, is religious people in his life that won't let the past go. And... Uh, they, uh, they slander him and scoff. And these are all Christian folks that, that would never do such things. But um, I went to bat for him the other day uh, with a fellow that felt that he shouldn't be allowed to be around um, Christian children and teenagers because that he was some kind of a threat to them. And I said, give your head a shake. Um, I happen to know that you're uh, an adulterer, um, that you're a malicious gossip, and that you, uh, my friend, are a liar. And uh, I think they're just as much at risk of you as uh, they are of this friend who's repented of homosexuality and uh, decided to follow Christ with a whole heart, so keep your mouth shut. Um, anyway, he's capable of changing a heart like mine to embrace people that I, previous to Christ, had, had no ability to love. Um, I'm able to cope with situations. This is all by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit and the Lord pointing out to me and giving me revel revelation by the word that I needed to. So, Galatians 5. Let's turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is such a good one. Um, Paul, in Galatians 5, explains to us the Spirit of God and how we need it. Paul says in Galatians 5, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. And uh, man, this last while in dealing with all these men, idolatry has taken a new face. Idolatry um, uh, in our lives takes so many forms. And uh, when, when I think of idolatry, or previously thought of idolatry, I pictured Buddha. I pictured uh, Dagon, the god of the Philistines with a fish head. I pictured Ra with some kind of a human body and a bird's head, or Baal, a little bull made out of gold. Um, I, I've come to know that there's not a lot of Baals um, not a lot of idols that take that form anymore. Um, I myself, uh, I made hunting an idol in my life, uh, putting it far ahead of Christ and giving it much more priority in my life. Um, I made fighting at one point an idol in my life and that became Lord where it literally directed my path. It consumed all my time. It took more of my effort than than uh, the Lord ever did or my family. Um, we all have different um, idols in our lives that the Holy Spirit in this process of sanctification and, and our time in the Word is going to point out to us and he gonna, 
He can address those things in a still, small voice. He's not going to beat you over the head. Um, he's just going to give you revelation. This spirit's a helper. He's a guide. He is the most powerful spirit in the universe, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't use muscle and domination to get his will. You've got to willingly, of your own free will, submit to his leading. I didn't get to Romans 8, 14 where I wanted, uh, but it does say that if we're putting to death the flesh uh, by the Spirit of God, um, then, then, we'll, then we will live by the Spirit. And them that are being led, uh, not once we're led or know a guy or have a dad that's led, but them who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the sons and daughters of God. And uh, <coughs> it's absolutely key. It's 1030 that we're led. Let's read on. In Galatians 5, praise the Lord. Uh, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. The list goes on. It doesn't have to be written word for word in the Bible. Um, in 2 Corinthians um, verse, uh, chapter 13, it says to test yourself, right? Assess your own life to see that you're living in the faith. It's not for me to judge you. Not for me to judge the word. The word, world of God, the word of God judges the world. Uh, we're to hold our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ accountable for their own good and for the sake of the body, but uh, we're not to judge. Um, we're to judge ourselves. Let the Spirit of God point out to you the areas in your life that need adjustment. Right? Let the Word of God show you and judge yourself to see, you know, if, if, if Jesus is truly Lord of this area and if you maybe been, you know, holding that back from God because those areas in your life where, you're, where you haven't made Jesus first and foremost, where he's not Lord, right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do a thing I say or you don't apply any of my teachings to your life or you don't put me first or foremost uh, in any area of your life or you've made me an accessory and uh, imagine how that makes God feel. I've had him, I made him an accessory in my life for a long time. I'm ashamed of it, but praise God I've been forgiven. So yeah, let's just take, and, uh, and where he says, and things like these, let's believe God by the Spirit and the Word to show us the areas in our lives where we're not led by the Spirit, where we haven't surrendered those areas to God. Um, because he says, of these things of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you want to walk in the kingdom of God in this life. That inheritance um, that he speaks of in Acts 26, 18, and Acts 20, I believe it is, 23, where he says that you walk in that inheritance sanctified uh, with the saints in faith. That inheritance is, yeah, heaven to come. Uh, he's gone to prepare a place for us that, that believe on him. But uh, we also have access to a kingdom life in this life where we can experience uh, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. This is joy that doesn't depend on the weather or the government or, or uh, some kind of comedy hour. The joy of the Lord is unshakable. Um, you don't have to have a, a perfectly peaceful situation to have it. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, there's your D. This is <clears throat> your guaranteed remedy for anxiety and stress and, and uh, frustration, right? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, right? Take it to the Lord. Supplication, bring it to God. With thanksgiving, thanking him for it in faith, right? 
Make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which you can't get from the pharmacy or uh, some self-help, um, will guard your heart and mind in Christ. And it's, and it's beyond all comprehension. Half the scientists in the world will shake their head if you even begin to tell them about the things of the Spirit or the Word of God. They completely, most, uh, most, most often, uh, see things in a scientific, fleshly way. And these are spiritually appraised. If you read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it'll tell you that, that that spiritual thought has to be appraised through spiritual minds with spiritual eyes. But uh, it says, Galatians 6 goes on to say, he listed off all those things, those fleshly, worldly, terrible things that, that the Holy Spirit wants to deliver us from and, and free us from, that we're to be no longer slaves to sin. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Nobody's going to beat you up for exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Absolutely essential, boys and girls, to be led by the Spirit. He, he, uh, I couldn't help but notice from 16 through, Paul says, but, but I say walk by the Spirit. He goes on to say, but if you are led by the Spirit, how many times he says it? And he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It's listed, if you, if, now that I've uh, you know, made it aware, I mean, many of you were, but now when you go back, and I know that you guys are all in the Word every day, but if you go back now and you read the Word of God, that's going to jump out to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that it would. And you'll see how absolutely integral the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells within your mortal flesh in Romans 8. And if the same spirit that dwells in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he'll quicken your mortal flesh, it says. He'll enable you, just like me. I tried to quit the drugs, the booze, the, the incredible violence, uh, the sexual sin long before I met my wife, and I couldn't whip it. I couldn't even begin to scratch the surface. What's the odds? I crowd to the Lord Jesus Christ in desperation. Ask him to fill me with his Holy Spirit. And I run over every single one of those things in his strength. And then I decide to take lordship back. Right? I decide I can do it on my own strength once everything gets good and smooth and comfortable. And what's the odds those things become a problem again? But when you're submitted to God, resisting the devil, he flees from you. Right? When you draw near to God, James 4, 7 and 8, draw near to God, he draws near to you. He's right there waiting. He's done everything you need to overcome. And he wants to pour into your life in a way you can't fathom. You've simply got to submit to him, draw near to God, let the word of God and the spirit of God direct the course of your life. Let it sanctify and cleanse your thinking. Let it open your spiritual eyes and ears and let the Holy Spirit of God give you the strength from on high to overcome in Jesus' name.